many of you know when you, when you give God everything you have, He's able to multiply? How many of you know that? How many of you experienced it? How many of you know when you give Him a little bit, God can make it a lot? Yeah. There's an exciting word that comes from Joshua chapter 1 this morning that I think is going to be very challenging for us. If you'll remain standing while we read this, I believe that God has uh, prepared a word today to, to challenge you. And regardless of what your relationship is with Christ, and what I mean by that is you may believe, you may not. Maybe you've not been to the church in a while and you're kind of skeptic and you're defensive. And my prayer for those of you who don't believe in God and those of you who are kind of defensive coming in here, what I mean by that is you're just wondering is, am I going to lock this? Am I going to agree with what he says? To just lower your guard. Just lower your guard. You're in a place where you're not going to be judged. It's okay to believe the way you do. It's okay if you haven't darkened the door of a church in years or months. Amen. You're, you're welcome here. So just, just let that go. Let that go. Joshua chapter 1. It says, After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. And he said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people. I, I wonder this morning, has a time come for somebody in here to experience the joy of the Lord? Has the time come for somebody this morning to step out in faith and pursue that new career? Has the time come for somebody this morning to let go of the past and move forward, not looking back on what was, but yet what has to be? Therefore, the time has come for you. I'm wondering, has the time come for you this morning to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I am giving them? I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set foot, you will be on land I have given you. How many of you know when you follow the promises of the Lord, no one can touch you? The enemy cannot overcome what God has implanted in you. You'll be in the land that I have given you from the Nagav wilderness in the south to the Lebanon mountains in the north, from the Euphrates River in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the land of the Hittites. How many of you know that God can take a little bit and expand it? No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I will be with you as I was Moses. I will not fail you. Amen, I will not abandon you. Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. God is talking to somebody this morning. He's telling you to be strong and courageous. There's a battle coming. You're in the midst of the battle now, and he's telling you to be strong and courageous. Be careful to obey all the instruction Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. And in verse 9, the Lord says to Joshua, This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. 
for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Hey, are you ready to hear a word from God this morning? Let's celebrate that. You may be seated. Worship team, thank you so much. Thank you so much, worship team. Today we're in a continuing this series. We've been in this series called The Christian Atheist, and I want to kind of give some precursors before we go on. Now, I told you, those who don't believe in God or those who are skeptical of Him or those who haven't been here in the church in a while, you may have some thoughts about the message today. And what I mean by that particularly is it's going to be really easy for you to think that I'm coming at this from a very religious or legalistic standpoint. But my job as the pastor of this church, as the shepherd of this church, is to preach truth, right? God's Word, regardless of how it makes you feel, okay? What I do know is this, is when the truth is spoken, you can handle it. But if you're in here this morning and you're very, you're, you're very skeptical, that's okay, but you need to lower that guard so you can hear what God may speak to you this morning. Those of you who are in Christ, I shared this with you last week, you need to understand the difference between conviction from the Holy Spirit and condemnation from the pastor. I've not come to condemn anyone this morning. Jesus didn't, so surely why should I? If there's any tension that you feel this morning, I pray that it's with the Spirit of challenging you to be thinking about, okay, hey, what does this mean to me? So we're in this series called The Christian Atheist, and basically we define a Christian atheist as someone who, it means believing in God, but living as if he doesn't exist. Believing in God, but living as if he doesn't exist. So what I'm saying is this, is we saw in James 2.19 last week that James is writing to the church there, and he says, so you have faith because you believe there's one God? I love it. And James says, good for you. Even the demons believe that. So what we're understanding in this series is that believing in God is not enough. Even the demons do that. And last week we talked about I believe in God but don't know him. Specifically this morning we're talking about I believe in God but don't trust him. And for those of you that are taking notes, we're calling this message Customized Christianity. Customized Christianity. How many of you know that we live in a world where everything can be customized and personalized? I mean, listen, down from the clothes you wear to the shoes you buy to the car you drive, your house can be customized, personalized. Everything can be. I mean, you can buy an outfit today that's custom fit for you. Any, any picky eaters in here besides me? Anybody picky? True story, I just started eating cheese on my hamburger a couple months ago. That's not true. But yeah, yeah, I'm growing up. Thank you. Growing up, my wife's proud of me. No, I am a picky eater, but my taste buds are expanding. But so like, when, every time I go to the fast food restaurant, um, and I go through like particularly a drive-thru, I'm going to be honest with you, I've got to this point in my life where I just don't trust them to get it right. I don't. A couple, a couple weeks ago, I went up to Zaxby's, uh, got a wings and things meal, and you know, they'll give you like a ranch and a Zaxby's sauce, and um, I just don't really like the Zaxby's sauce, so I said in the, you know, hey, can I get an extra ranch instead of the Zaxby's sauce? Sure, sir. Can I get you anything else? Coke light ice would be good, thank you. Your totals, whatever, blah, 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 pull forward. So I'm like, hey, dang, this Chicken's going to be fresh. I'm getting two ranch sauces. They're actually going to have light ice, not, you know, 
like two sips of Coke with five pounds of ice in it. So I pull up, and I let my guard down, okay? I let my guard down. I was feeling, feeling it that day, and for the sake of humanity, I wanted to believe this girl. And so I pay, and she hands me my bag, and I can you not. I look her out, and I said, is my extra ranch in there? And she kind of just paused for a minute, and she said, yeah. <laughs> and I said, Jesus, you're so good. Thank you. So I said, have a good day. Put my food down and just barely drove and then like pulled into that little parking lot. Right? I'm talking about the Zaxby's up by the interstate. And I was like, no, 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 no. My skepticism, my skepticism jumped in. So I pull over. I open it up. You know, it comes in a styrofoam box. And I'm just thinking, this is what I'm thinking. Jesus, you are going to have to lay hands on me if there's a Zaxby sauce in here because I'm going to get redneck. <laughs> and I'll be, dang, there's a Zaxby sauce in there. And buddy, listen, I'm talking. The preacher got... My, my blood pressure rose. I slammed my truck door. I was, you know, all <laughs> five foot eight of me walking in there like I'm about to raise some cane up in this place. And I got in there and Jesus was like, whoa, 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 whoa. So I just politely set the Zaxby's off and I said, can I have a ranch, please? And they gave me the ranch. I don't trust them, man. How many times have you went to a, dri- a drive through fast food restaurant and believed that your order was right and you got home and it wasn't right? That makes me so mad because I don't really live close to any of them. And there, there's, uh, there's times where I've been so like ticked off that I'm thinking, all right, I'm going to take a couple bites of this because I'm hungry, but then I'm going back and get my money back and what I want. <laughs> I just don't trust them. I don't trust them. I don't trust them. If you work in fast food, I love you and grateful for you, but I do not trust you if you work the drive through <laughs> I don't. A lot of us have that mentality with life in general. We want to personalize things. We want to customize things. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. The problem is when we carry that attitude over towards our relationship with Jesus. See, many of us want to customize God. We only want the certain toppings that we like. Yeah, we like love people. Yeah, I can. I love people. The grace and mercy, absolutely sign me up for that. You mean that you want my money? Nah, I love Jesus, but let's, I don't really want any of that. You mean I should be at church on Sundays? Nah. We want to customize God and personalize him to fit what we want. And the problem with that is this, is when you read the scriptures, Jesus says this, hey, I want all of you and your dark and your mess and your sin and your flaws and your failure and your addiction and your struggles, but I also want you to have all of me. And so the tension lies in this. When you say you believe in God, but don't trust him, it's an indication of your level of spiritual maturity. Now, what I'm not doing is knocking people that don't believe in God, okay? This is really more towards a little jab towards those who call themselves Christian, but live as if God doesn't exist, okay? So if you're here this morning, you're just straight up like, hey, I'm an atheist. You can just sit on the outside and listen to the message, okay? I'm talking to those who would say that they believe, but don't fully trust him. Let's say that I'm married to my wife, which I am. I believe in Ariel. I have for many years, but do you know what kind of relationship it would be like if I believed in her but did not trust her? Vice versa, if she believed in me but didn't trust me to do what I said I was going to do or to provide for my family or to love her and, and to love her only, Amongst many problems with this mentality of saying you believe in God but don't trust him is, the reality is is you're just missing out on a really, really great life. This is not a message to condemn you 
or to talk about how awful you are for not trusting him. Because let me give you an example. When So two years ago, the summer of 2013, uh, a group of us started meeting in my living room to plant this church. And when I, when I say plant, I literally just mean to start this church. And I had to learn to trust God in some things because I trusted God with like the spiritual side as in like, all right, God, you're going to save people. We're going to baptize people. Uh, you know, you're going to get your message out because your word doesn't go out and come back void. But one of the things that I really lacked in trusting God was with the financial piece. Because I don't know if you guys know this, but like all this equipment costs money. It costs money. And I can remember thinking back then, like, and I had, you know, I'm not saying that I have not mastered now, I just have a little bit more experience under my belt, but I just did not trust God to really provide for that. Do you know what I mean? Like there's things where, like, you know, all right, God, how are we going to get thousands of dollars worth of equipment? How are we going to get trailers to haul them in? How are we going to, you know, how are we going to do it? And so it was like I trusted God with some things, but not all things. And so I want to challenge you this morning. When it comes to customized Christianity, I want you to be thinking as we go through this message about what's the next step for you to trust God. Is there an area in your life? Is it your finances? Is it your marriage? Um, is it, uh, you know, a career decision? Is it a faith? You feel like God's calling you to do something, but you're just, you don't trust that he'll provide. I don't know what it is, but I want to challenge you to be taking next steps. And I want us to kind of go back to some of the scripture we read to kind of unpack that just a little bit and pray that God will speak to you. But I want to set up what we read there Joshua 1, 1 through 9, so you understand what's going on. There was a man named Moses, and Moses was leading the Israelites to the land of Canaan, or what we often call, you hear, the promised land. He's taken them from the Egyptians and Pharaoh, and, and he's got this plan to get them to this promised land, and the very long story short is Moses is not going to be able to make it. His time has come, and and, and God is saying, hey, Joshua, who was Moses' young assistant, the time has come for you to lead these people. And see, there would be this big battle between the Israelites and then these nations and, and, and the Canaanites. And a lot of people have tension. I see this all the time, and I, I don't want to offend you, but it's really a generic argument when you, when you talk about things like, you know, I don't understand why God would allow violence and war because there would be a big battle to, to claim this promised land. And so what I want to do is just let's even rise above that and look at a bigger picture here. These Canaanites were independent from God. They did not believe in following the law, which is what they lived by back then. And so really what we see when God overtakes something like this, it's a redemptive act of God to reconquer a portion of land that was his child's to begin with. Does that make sense? It was a redemptive act for God to, to lead these Israelites through this battle and to give them back what he had promised. Do you know that God would do the same for you? If the enemy was in your way of something God had promised you that he would destroy it, he would do that for you. Opportunities to trust God always come at turning points in your life. New job, moving, new relationships, transitions, pain. Opportunities to trust God always come in transitioning points. Going back to verse 1 in Joshua chapter 1, listen, it says, So after the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua. How many of you know that God wants to speak to his children? God wants to speak to them. If you're a child of God, he wants to speak to you. See, he's not a father that doesn't want to communicate. He wants to speak to his children. 
the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses, Moses' assistant, and he said, verse 2, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people. See, there was this opportunity. There was this transition in Joshua's life. Moses had been leading. The time for Joshua to step up had come, and this was an opportunity for Joshua to trust God. See, for so long, Joshua had been number two, but now God was calling him to be number one. Maybe many of you in your life, you're following something, but God's calling you to lead. He's calling you to rise up. He's causing you to, to rise up. He said, my servant, uh, Moses, my servant is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites. Listen, across the Jordan River into the land that I am giving them. God told Joshua that he was going to have to cross this Jordan River to get to the promise land. Now, what's interesting about this, you must understand that back in this time, there were no sailboats, there were no ships, there were no kayaks, there were no bridges for them to cross this. And an interesting perspective is this, is that God was saying, you're going to have to go through something, but the only way you can get through it is with me. Isn't it interesting? The very thing that you feel like is an obstacle in your life may be put there by God to see if you'll trust him. That was good, right? I knew it was because I had it written down. <laughs> the very thing that may be stopping you getting, stop getting you from the, the promise or the new job or the new relationship or the next step in your faith, that obstacle may have been put there by God to see if you'll let him help you get through it. I want to ask you a really diagnostic question this morning. And you just, it's just self-inventory. Don't, don't answer out loud. What's something that's missing in your life? Is it joy? Is it a relationship with Christ? Is it that you believe in him, but you don't trust him? You would say that you, you, you would say in your hour of desperation that you believe in God, but you live like you don't trust him. Is it your marriage? Now, I want to ask you this. What's your Jordan River that you need to cross this morning? What's your Jordan River? Is it pride? What's in your way? What's your Jordan River that you need to cross this morning to get to the promised land? If the thing you're missing is bad, you know, you're, you're terrible with your finances, maybe your Jordan River is, hey, I need somebody to help me get on a plan. I need to begin tithing. True story. God attends our church and makes a very good living. Money-wise. Really good. And he shared this comment with me a couple weeks ago. He said, he said, I'll tell you the honest to God truth. He said, <clears throat> when I'm not, this is what he said. I'm not manipulating her. This is not, we've already took up our offering, so I'm not trying to get you to give any money, okay? He said, every time... I stop tithing, my finances go to hell. That's what he said. And this dude makes like good money. But he said, but when I start giving God his, I never do without. And I'm just going to tell you from experience, like I know you think like, some of you may think, all right, you're a pastor, you're supposed to tithe, you have to tithe, you've always tithed. And yes, I should, but no, I haven't always. 
So maybe the promised land for you is financial freedom. You're Jordan Rivers. You need to begin trusting God with your finances. I don't know what it is. Maybe for some of you, the promise for you is you're battling a stronghold. It's an addiction. It's pornography. It's depression. It's insecurity. And the Jordan River for you is stepping over the threshold of self and surrendering yourself to God. Maybe for some of you, the promised land is not the land of Canaan, but it's a place of happiness and just joy and peace that in the midst of your circumstances, that things are going to be okay. And the Jordan River for you that you need to cross is pride. You need to get over yourself. Rick Warren, a pastor out in California, he said something really amazing lately. He said, if you're not hungry for God, it's because you're full of yourself. What's your Jordan River that you need to cross this morning to get to the promises of of what God is speaking into you? God does not want us to trust him with some things. I guess what I want to challenge you most of all this morning is that, hey, listen, if you're not trusting God with everything, you need to ask yourself, are you actually trusting him with anything? Are you all in? Could you imagine watching poker or playing poker and not that we endorse gambling here, just for the records, for those of you here like. But could you imagine like, you know, you've got like $50,000 worth of chips and you're sitting there and you're like, hmm. And you go, I'm all in. But then you take three back and you're like, just in case. Just in case. That's what some of us do. We're like, I'm all in, Jesus. You can have all of me. But just this one little thing I want to keep in my back pocket just in case this doesn't work out. God wants you to have everything in him. The fullness of God is what we call it. And listen, that's available to anybody. Listen, the only, listen, we say this, there's no prerequisite to be a part of what God's doing in this church, but to be a part of God's family, a child of God, here's, listen, the only prerequisite is this. You must be a sinner. You must be a sinner. Any sinners in here this morning? I'm not. I just raised my hand to get you guys to. That's the only prerequisite. It doesn't matter what your past is. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter how knowledgeable you think you are. It doesn't matter if you have a, a business degree or no degree or you dropped out of high school or you make six figures or you work at McDonald's. It doesn't matter. Jesus is for everybody. He's for everybody. He's for anybody. Anybody. And here's, here's one of the, let me tell you one of the greatest tragedies that happened in East Tennessee, the South, in our area is, we talked about this before, but you know who turned people off from Jesus, right? Christians. So if you're a Christ follower, I, I take some of the blame. Because basically, do you, know what this, do you know what churches are? And I'm not talking about the building. Obviously, it's not about a building. It's about the people of God. Always has been. The church, Amber, is a factory, okay? And what we put in it, we create, and what comes out of it, we're responsible for. Does that make sense? And so all these legalistic, religious-driven Christians that turn people away from the gospel, it's because maybe they're not one to begin with. Now, this isn't a call to question your salvation, but it is a call to question your life with Christ. Because let me tell you something. Christians are some of the most boring people I know, and I do not get it. 
Some of y'all are boring. You need to spice it up a little bit. I mean, we serve a good God, Vernon. We serve a good God who's worthy. The Scriptures say He did not come to condemn us, but to raise us to life, regardless of what our strongholds are. Regardless. Listen, somebody needs to hear this for the first time or the thousandth time today. God's love for you is not based upon anything you do, but what he did on the cross. Your job is to embrace it and accept what's already been done. Amen? That's the Jesus we believe in here. The problem is many of us live this way. We're Christian atheists. We say one thing, but we live another way. And I'm not talking about blatant hypocrisy. I'm talking about just honestly, this is kind of a mean word. Let me use a different word. (laughs) Your faith is apathetic, basically. It's lazy. Your faith is lazy. You work really hard. Hey, good night. If some of you would give Jesus 40 hours a week like you do your job, you may know him a little bit more. If some of you gave Jesus the attention you give your vehicle, you may understand him a little bit more. I'm just telling the truth. I'm telling the truth. God wants you to trust him with everything you have, and what that means is giving him everything, giving him everything, okay? This is not about being perfection, a perfectionist or perfect Christ follower. There are no perfect people. There was only one perfect person, his name is Jesus, and we all know how that turned out for him. So I suppose it would be beneficial for us to give grace to everybody else who messes up. His perfection led him to the cross. We should extend a little grace to those around us. It's about trusting him with everything we have, even when it doesn't make sense, trusting him. Listen to what, this is the PRV, okay? This is Peyton's revised version of the Bible. This is Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. It says, look what it says. Trust in the Lord with some of your heart and rely on your own understanding. That sounds like some Christians I know. Verse 6. Think about him in most of your ways, and he will guide you on a few right paths. That's the PRV version. Peyton's revised version. See, that's how the Christian atheist lives. We trust him with some things, but we're not going to give him everything. And did you know, listen, do you know this? That when, when you withhold from him, that you begin playing God? I'm talking, listen, I'm not just talking about finances. I'm talking about when you withhold your emotions, when you withhold your affection from him, you begin playing God. So when you think about him in most of your ways, he'll guide you on a few right paths. But let's look what the author of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 really says about that. Trust in the Lord with, say it with me, all, all your heart. And do not, for the sake of God, do not rely on your own understanding. You don't get it and you will mess it up. How many of you know that? How many of you know the most, the most spiritually mature, the most aged Christian makes mistakes and needs God's grace every single day? If you ever get to a point in your walk with Christ where you feel like grace is not for you, you're about to fall. You're about to fall. So trust in the Lord with all. That means everything. Not just what you feel comfortable with. Not just what you're willing to let go of. It just means Everything. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not, flashing signs, do not rely on your understanding. Verse 6. Think about him, say it with me, in all your ways and he will guide you on the right paths. The right ones. 
Not the easy ones, okay? Not the comfortable ones for the complacent Christian. The right paths. Do you believe that day that God told Joshua, hey, the promised land is over here, but you've got to go through this Jordan River. Was that the right path? Absolutely it was. So it doesn't mean things will be easy. It doesn't mean that there'll be security in your material possessions, but it does mean the one who is faithful will be there and that you are on the right path when you are following him. When you are following him. How many of you know this? There again, I don't want to keep like separating those who don't believe from those who do believe, but I said from the beginning that if you don't believe, you're just, you can sit on the outlines, the outside of this. But how many of you know that the, the more times that you give God the opportunity to prove himself, he shows up every single time? As if he needed to, by the way. As if he needed to. Trusting him completely means there's going to be things that we just saw in the scripture that you don't understand, that don't make sense to you. But he will put our lives on the right path. Look at Joshua chapter one, verse three, what he said to Joshua. He said, I promise you what I promised Moses. This ought to fire somebody up, okay? I'm about to flip this table up here is what I'm fixing to do. You just can't tell it. Wherever you set foot, you will be on land I have given you. You need to understand the context here, okay? Three very important things when you study scripture. The first one is you need to know the context, What's being said before, what's being said after, who's the audience, what's the economy like back then, what are the people groups. Does that make sense? The context. The second thing you need to know is context. You need to understand who it's being said to. Any guess on what the third most important thing is? Context. Yeah, those of you who've got to understand what you're reading here. And so in this context, Jesus, God is saying, I promise you what I promised Moses, which by the way, that promise is still true today, that what he promised Moses and what he promised Joshua is true for you, David. It's true for Lottie Dottie, everybody who claims it. Look, wherever you set foot, you will be on the land I have given you. But you must remember the context is, when you go through that Jordan River and you enter the land of Canaan, the promised land, there, wherever you step foot, I will be with you. Does that make sense? So it's kind of like this. Suppose that God's will is not necessarily a dot. We've talked about very similar things to this. But suppose it's more of just like a big area. And you, all the time people are like, oh, I just want to do what God's will for me is. I just want to know God's will. God, God, tell me, I do it. What if I told you inside the Bible is God's will? And if you're just in this area, you're in God's will. Does that make sense? Some of you are like, I'm not really sure. Let me see if I can give you this really, really cool illustration, okay? There's a story in the New Testament about a guy named Lazarus, okay? And this is Jesus' friend. And he's got some sisters, and basically they come to Jesus, and they're like, yo, man, you've waited too late. Lazarus is dead. If you would have came earlier, you could have saved him. Now, what's incredible about this, I really need you to have your, what did the teacher say, like your listening ears or something like that on? Hang with me, okay? Jesus goes, remember Lazarus is in a cave, and it, and this is what's interesting. They're like, basically, hey, you've got the power to bring him back to life. How many of you know Jesus can make dead things come to life? Even spiritually, even physically. See, the dream you used to have, God can bring passion back to it and you can pursue it again. The marriage that's falling apart, God can put the desire back in it and give you something new. 
For those who have been divorced, how many of you know God still wants you to be loved and to find love and He can bring you somebody new? How many know that? Amen? We're talking about Lazarus. I hadn't forgotten. Lazarus is in this cave, and they're like, hey, you can bring him back to life. If you're with me, say, I am. And you would think that Jesus would go into the cave, Sarah, touch him, and raise him back to life. Is what you would think, right? You would think that Jesus would physically enter the cave and say, Lazarus, hello, get up. But listen to what he does. Do you, know, you remember what he does, right? Jesus just speaks into the cave. Listen, I'm about to get fired up, I'm telling you. This is why. Because in that moment, though it was death, Lazarus was where God wanted him. And it did not matter where he was in that cave when Jesus spoke out, Lazarus, you get up. He would have heard him, amen? Come on, somebody celebrate that with me. It's good. That's what I'm saying is this. What I'm saying is this, is it's not necessarily a thing, but it's a place. And if you're in it, you're in it. You with me? Yes. It's not just one simple, okay, if I'm in this crack, I won't fall and make, break my mother's back or however that goes. But it's basically, you've got all this. You've got all this. And if you're walking in the joy and the freedom of the Lord and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, 2 Corinthians 3, 17, then you are in God's will. And that's what God was saying to Joshua that day. When you cross through this, when you are obedient and follow my plan for you, you will be any, anywhere you step will be the place I've given you. Amen, it's good news. That's why some of you need to hear this. There's freedom in Christ, not rules and religion. There's freedom in it. Freedom. Verse 5, listen to what he says in the same, in that, following that context. He says, no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. Hey, listen, how many of you know if God is for you, who can be against you? How many of you know it? If God is for you, who can be against you? They may hate and they may talk crap, but you just block them on Facebook and keep moving on. You know what I'm saying? I did it this week and I'm a preacher, so it's okay. I'm giving you permission to block those fools who hate and speak negativity in your life. Does not mean that you don't love them. And if you see them in Walmart, that you don't run the other way. But you just don't allow that in you because if God is for you, who will be against you? Who will? Listen, that's walking in the strength of the Lord. That's walking in the promise that wherever I step my foot, Heather, if I'm in God's will, if I'm in this area, no one can be against me. It's not being cocky or arrogant, but it's just remembering that the one who is serving, who you're serving is greater than you. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. Look, for I will be, this is, I don't even know if I can, this is like, it, the language changes to really very intimate. How many people have kids in here? Imagine you, and the love for your child, you look down to them and you say this, I'm going to be with you. I can remember going down the slide for the first time with my little three-year-old daughter and you know, she's so scared, but like wants to do it too at the same time. She's like super scared, but I want to do it. And she just needed a little encouragement from her father. Some of you this morning, you need encouragement from the father. You need to know that he is with you. He is with you. And he is with you. He is with you. And listen, I will not fail you or abandon you. Your spouse, your parents, your children, your best friend, your coworkers, your boss. They will hurt you and let you down. But Jesus will never fail you. He will never abandon you. You can trust him. 
hang with me just a couple more minutes. I want to read this last set of scripture here, Joshua 1, verses 7 through 9. And I want you to listen to what he says here. This was the father talking to this person who basically, Josh was up against this battle to find the promised land. Many of you this morning, you're up against a battle to find the promises of God. There's a Jordan River that you've got to cross. Listen to what he says, verse 7. He says, be strong and very courageous. I love it. He doesn't say, be a wimp and be fearful. Because you've not been given a spirit of fear. You know that, it, that in God, in Christ, He does not give a spirit of fear. He says, be strong and very courageous. Be careful. Listen, be careful. There's going to be things that get in the way that, take t- that, that occupy your time from reading God's Word. And there's going to be things that you want to do, watch TV. And there's going to be things that you want to go do instead of following my instruction. But be careful. Listen. Warning, be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Right here, he's saying, listen, you believe in me, but do you trust me? You trust me with some things, but I want you to trust me with all things. Listen, do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. When you stay focused, look, then, then you will be successful in everything you do, verse 8. Listen, study this book, the Bible. Study this book of instruction continually. Not just when you feel like it. Not just when you understand and you're in the book of Leviticus and you're like, what in the world is all this about? Study this book of instruction continually. That means daily. It means growing. Listen, meditate on it day and night. So you will be sure to obey, listen, some things, a few things. Most things. Now, so you'll obey everything written in it. Oh, listen, only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. Somebody needs to hear this too. Does God want good things for you? Does He want you to work hard and make a good living? It is not a sin to work hard and make good money, it is not a sin to have a nice house and a nice car. It's not a sin to wear red suede shoes to church. Only then, though, will you prosper and succeed in all you do. How many of you know that God wants you to be successful in all that you do? You, some, you need to, everything you do. God wants you to be successful because He's a, a Father. I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm a father who wants my, my, my children and even my wife to be successful in all they do. Why would you think that the Father in heaven would be any different? Verse 9, listen to how he ends this. He says, this is my command. Be strong. You're going to face adversity. You're going to face temptation. You're going to be weak. You're going to feel like giving up, but you be courageous. Proverbs 28.1, one of my favorite Proverbs says that the righteous are as bold as lions. Be strong and courageous. Listen, do not be afraid or discouraged because Jesus, he knows. Some of you stand before Jordan River and you don't know how you're going to get through it, but he's telling you, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Listen, this promise that was spoken thousands of years ago is, is still true today. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go in the context of God's will. 
He's with you wherever you go. This morning, today, as you hear this message right now, some of you need to know this. You may not feel Him, but the Father is near. He will, listen, when it says He'll never leave you or abandon you, can I tell you what, let me tell you what my biggest struggle is real quick. Is it's not necessarily, you know, my behavior before I was a Christ follower because I kind of get the stupidity of what I did. You know what I mean? My biggest problem is my behavior since becoming a Christ follower, right? Newsflash for those of you who don't know, pastors are people too. And we all make mistakes and we all fall short of God's glory according to Scripture, Romans 3.23, which I believe. And so my, my conviction is not so much about what I did before God, but it's about the mistakes I make since I'm following Him. Even then, He never leaves us or abandons us. See, you can't be too far away for the Father to reach down and grab you. You can't. Because when you say that you're too far away, what you're putting that is you're putting limits on a limitless God. I'm going to ask you again this morning. What is your Jordan River? What do you need to cross? God's not telling you to go around it or to go under it or to go over it. He's saying, hey, let's go through this together. What's your Jordan River? What lies on the other side? What opportunities is God giving you this morning to trust Him, to help help you see that He is a Father who's faithful? And it starts with this, what Proverbs 3, 5, 6 says, trust Him with all your heart. For some of you this morning, a next step is this. You just need to say, Father, here I am. I'm, it doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't. I don't understand it. I don't really understand you. But I want what this crazy guy has up there. And so I'm going to give you my heart. And let me tell you this. My life changed in a moment. If you've been here once, you've heard it 6,000 times. If you come next week, you'll hear it 6,000 more. Don't ever underestimate the power of one single moment with Jesus. It changed my life January 2009 midnight in my driveway. What's your Jordan River? What's the promises? Where are you missing trusting God? How do you need to step up? Listen, somebody needs to hear this this morning. That he's never going to leave you. If you'll follow him and trust you, he'll be with you through the valley, Wayne. He'll be with you through the valley. He'll be with you in the cancer. He'll be with you in the addiction that's tearing your family apart. He'll be with you when you go through divorce and you're thinking that your life is ruined and you'll never get it back. He'll still be there. He's still there. Nothing, nothing can separate you from the love of God. Not death, not life, not your sin, not your strongholds. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? Am I preaching? Let's stand up this morning.